0: There are only two types of people in the world, the nervous and the liars wow, <laughs> you go read interviews, or you ask a lot of successful people, they'll admit that they do feel nervous on stage. In fact, whenever I go for a workshop, I tell students in the audience, I'm like, do you wanna check my heart rate right now? Cause you can do that. <laughs> there is still a bit of stage fright and there are scientific reasons for this. There are poses that we can do that make us not just look more confident, but in fact, if you hold these poses, For more than two minutes, your body starts to secrete hormones, chemicals that make you feel more confident. So you know what Superman, Wonder Woman, (laughs) they (laughs) love to do. So I, I still remember when I first started my workshops, I would go to the washroom right before the session and just for two minutes, stand like Wonder Woman (laughs) to boost confidence levels. Sometimes listen to some good music that makes you feel more confident. I think that definitely helps, but we can't eliminate practice.
1: When I was young, I played a little basketball and Michael Jordan Uh, was my role model. Mm -hmm. And I came came across a quote yesterday uh, while I was doing some work. Mm -hmm. So Michael Jordan made about 26 game winning shots. Mm But in order to do that, you also miss 9,000 shots. Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. I believe as a debate coach, we need to get people thinking on both sides of mm-hmm. the topic. What are the pros and cons? And be curious about it. So when, when I heard the motion money is not an option, I'm like, they can't even leave me. You know, <laughs> finance has, has been on my head 24 seven. And yeah. now the competition <laughs> happens to be about options. <laughs> Why? and. Uh, so, I bought some time. I, I started defining keywords in the emotion. So, ladies and gentlemen, money is not an option. But what, what is an option, really? Many of us think an option is a choice. Some finance professionals here may consider it a financial instrument <laughs> to make money. So, I went on for 30 seconds talking about it. And then I talked about investments in life because I, I just needed to buy time. I, I, I didn't know what an option, uh, how to invest interpret this question and then ultimately I built up to the message that yeah money technically is an option because we don't have to invest in financial instruments we can choose to invest in ourselves yeah. right and that's the biggest return on investment if you've read books by Warren Buffett and many other self-help gurus they talk about how investing in yourself beats the market yeah.
1: beats best angst- investment ever exactly Boy. how can we nurture emotional intelligence with the next generation whether it is schools education upbringing family what are some of the changes we need to make in order to nurture the emotional intelligence uh, for the next generation and just to give you a bit of context we spend a lot of time uh, talking about the challenges that um, this generation faces Mm -hmm. in terms of distractions mm-hmm. right uh smart devices mm-hmm. now we have chat gpt you know all the answers you know you spent so long
2: mm-hmm.
1: reading a textbook but with a click click of a button mm-hmm. now the machine can produce all the answers for you mm-hmm. so given all the changes that we're seeing in a society you know uh what are some of the changes uh, you think we can do to uh, to nurture that emotional intelligence part
0: emotional intelligence, not exactly my field of expertise, but I studied in Hong Kong. I was born and raised here and grew up with the local education system, HKDSE exam. I would say make it a part of the education system and not just on the textbook, right? Not something we just memorize and spit out on an exam paper, but actively involve ourselves in emotional like I would say on helping students understand what emotions they're going through and equipping them with the skills to deal with those kind of emotions I I would say is is important like maybe a kid that's being bullied at school maybe to acknowledge that okay it's it's not nice to be bullied but if I experience these emotions then what am I supposed to do to overcome them Yeah. yeah
1: yeah Hey guys, thank you so much for following this channel and making our podcast into the top 3% global podcast ranking. When I started a year ago, I didn't think anyone would listen to this podcast, but it was you who made this a success. Now, before you watch the full video, please do me a small favor. Please hit the subscribe button to help me understand a bit more about your experiences and how we can improve our content. In every video, I have a deep conversation with someone whom I've recently met. We talked about different topics, including mental health, mindset, entrepreneurship, career, and most importantly, their stories on how they transformed themselves from their younger self. I hope these conversations are useful to you and can bring you new perspectives. Please enjoy. Welcome back to the new episode on the Transformative Purpose podcast. I'm very excited. This is my first in-person interview, recording live in Hong Kong. And uh, joining me today is Joy. Joy is Hong Kong's youngest public speaking champion. And as a public speaking and debate coach and the chief innovation officer of Inspire to Aspire Consulting, she has over six years of experience designing and delivering soft skills training for schools universities, corporates, NGOs, and Toastmasters in Hong Kong. Joy herself has coached more than 7,000 students and launched a speaking course on Skillshare in 2018. Joy is also an award-speaking public speaker. She has represented her school, university, and Hong Kong in several competitions, including in-person and virtual speech contests. What a pleasure to have you, Joy. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me to this wonderful podcast. Super excited.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, Like I said, this is our first in-person interview in Hong Kong and I'm so excited to have you. That's my guinea pig, really. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to learn a little bit about Joy, um, what she learned, how she got to where she is today. And obviously we're going to talk a lot about public speaking Mm -hmm. and debate. I think I need to pay more attention in terms of how I speak today, okay? because I'm sitting right in front, <laughs> no of, <pressure>. a, <laughs> in front of an expert today. But interesting fact, I actually interviewed Joy's father uh, not too long ago, and here I am speaking to, her, to his daughter. What a wonderful opportunity. Let's start with you, Joy. Mm-hmm. What got you into public speaking and, uh, and debate? How'd you get here?
0: so when i was in school i always shared this story at the beginning of my workshops i actually had an english teacher and we used to have morning assemblies in school you know the time when you had to bring your school bag into the school hall and everybody's half asleep just standing there And we used to have one student make the announcements for our morning assemblies. And one day, my English teacher said, hey, Joy, why don't you do this? And I was I was pretty okay at English above average. And she seemed pretty confident in me. So I said, what's the worst that could happen? Let's let's just give it a shot. And I I said, yes. And the thing about being an announcer is you don't really have a script. So these teachers, they they give you tiny post-its, note cards, and you just have to make it up as you go. And there are like 500 people in the audience. There are the students, there are the teachers, and then there's our principal right there in front. <laughs> and, and, you know, there, there are some teachers, some classmates that definitely look very friendly, but there are some people you're scared of in the audience. So I go up on stage the first time and My heart is racing (laughs) and I'm holding so many post-its in my hands. My hands are shaking. I'm just so nervous on stage. And then it seemed like nobody would care, right? Morning assembly, 8 a.m. Everybody's half asleep, but they were awake when (laughs) I went on stage. They wanted to pay attention. So I'm, I'm there heart racing, super nervous and... Instead of acing it, I, I just, okay, guys, if you're from the debate team, then please stay behind. Have a nice day. Bye. And I just embarrassed myself in front of 500 people. And I was like, this is just not for me. And I thought, Next day, I'll, I'll just go to my English teacher and, and tell her I, I can't do this. In fact, I embarrassed her in front of all those 500 people. She thought I would be a good student. And then she, she said something that I, I still remember till today. She said, fear is normal. In fact, there is a beautiful quote by Mark Twain. There are only two types of people in the world, the nervous and the liars. Wow. (laughs) I, I didn't expect that. And she shared a few techniques to overcome stage fright, like focus on the friendly faces in the audience, not the people that intimidate you. So I started to look at my friends and, you know, the friendly teacher (laughs) in the (laughs) audience. And uh, she she taught me belly breathing. So a lot of us, when we take deep breaths, our stomach is actually supposed to come out when the air goes in. But a lot of us force the stomach in which means we're holding our breath and that actually increases your heart rate further because your body wants even more oxygen so you're gonna suffer from the symptoms of stage fright even more so I followed her tips and I wouldn't call myself a champion but I slowly got better at it and um, I took on more public speaking in school. I joined our debate team. And uh, I remember I was not really good at sports. So we used to have sports day. We used to have swimming gala. And I would go to my English teacher. I'd be like, I really don't want to participate. Can you make me the announcer? <laughs> Can you make me the <laughs> MC? <laughs> and she said yes. So <laughs> I've hosted a lot of school events. And then university came to toastmasters a part-time job at the federation of youth groups and i've joined several contests as well
1: yeah so how many how many contests have you participated today
0: today to you, get to where you are okay uh wow that's Well, maybe like five, six in school and other five, six in university. But I would say after university, the pace has picked up with Toastmasters. And the thing about Toastmasters is I would visit clubs when I was a student. But they said, sorry, even though you're passionate, you need to be 18 years old. Come back in a few (laughs) years time. Yeah. So almost every year I, I try out the public speaking, we have table topics, impromptu speaking, we have international speech, we have evaluations. I must have taken part in like 15, 20 of those competitions. Yeah. yeah.
1: Let's talk about the common uh, myths. Okay. Yeah, around uh, public speaking, mm-hmm. right? As you were saying about this belly breathing, I was doing it actually. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it does work. You can mm-hmm. try it at home Um, wherever you are watching this video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what are the common myths around public speaking?
0: I, definitely, the first myth: stage fright, and only successful people, they look confident on stage. But if you go read interviews, or you ask a lot of successful people, they'll admit that they do feel nervous on stage. In fact, whenever I go for a workshop, I tell students in the audience, I'm like, do you want to check my heart rate right now? Because you can do that. (laughs) There is still a bit of stage fright. And there are scientific reasons for this, because the human brain has a part that deals with stress. And it's a common part that we share with monkeys as well. When you face stress, then your heart rate goes up because you want to run away from that source of stress. We sweat because our body wants to regulate body temperature. Like If a monkey sees a lion or a tiger, it's going to run away similarly the human brain treats the audience as that source of stress and we want to run away and our heart rate supports that our body temperature supports that but it's part of the process Mm -hmm. so even like people who work in so-called stressful positions like firefighters those in the military they train themselves to deal with stress and then they get better at it like Someone that's a firefighter won't say on his first day, I'm too scared. I'm not going to save these people, right? He's dealt with more stressful situations in the past. That's why he can go out there and fight a fire, right? Mm -hmm. So similarly, public speaking works the same way. We've done a lot of public speaking and we get better at dealing with stress. But at least for me, I I don't think it's going to disappear anytime soon. We just need to manage it.
1: Yeah. So I had an opportunity to speak a couple of days ago and mm-hmm. I was feeling quite nervous. So one of the things that I did was I greeted my my nervousness, I think, my emotion for being there, mm-hmm. for helping me to stay sharp. Stay sharp. And it also helped me. It basically was telling me that I truly care about this, mm-hmm. which is why I was very excited and nervous about mm-hmm. the event. What are some of the tactics that people could use to calm themselves? You mentioned about sweaty palms. Mm-hmm. I used to stutter a lot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, I think my first public speaking experience was Probably in my mid-20s, mm-hmm. I was put in front of 800 people um, and part of them um, belonged to a, to a union. Mm-hmm. Okay. And on behalf of the client that I was working for,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I had to announce a change of uh, policy okay. which would impact their uh, the benefits within the company. So the 800 people uh, was basically being put on the spot, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but for people who have a bit of time to actually practice public mm-hmm. speaking, let's talk about impromptu speaking later, okay. I think. What can they do to uh, to calm the nerves?
0: Well, first of all, focus on the friendly faces in the audience. What I used to do, I, I remember I used to go for workshops at schools and I would have A couple of colleagues joined me tag along for these workshops and we would deliver segments. So when I was starting out, I would ask one colleague to sit on the left side of the room and another one to sit on the right side of the room. And I would just rotate eye contact between these two colleagues making it look like i'm looking at the entire (laughs) audience (laughs) exactly. (laughs) and if it's a bigger room then you divide it into three and you rotate eye contact between those three people and it looks like you're looking at the whole audience so focus on the friendly faces not the scary people (laughs) in the audience Uh, i would also say yeah belly breathing power posing have you heard of power posing no So basically, there are poses that we can do that make us not just look more confident, but in fact, if you hold these poses for more than two minutes, your body starts to secrete hormones, chemicals that make you feel more confident. So you know what Superman, Wonder Woman, (laughs) they love to do. So I, I still remember when I first started my workshops, I would go to the washroom right before the session and just for two minutes stand like Wonder Woman <laughs> <laughs> to boost confidence oh, right. levels. Sometimes listen to some good music that makes you feel more confident. I think that definitely helps, but we can't eliminate practice.
1: Right. Okay. So I, I guess what you're saying is there a range of uh, tactics and different tactics work for everyone mm-hmm. and people just got to experience what works for them. Right. Yeah. And like you said at the beginning of our introduction is normal to feel Nervous. nervous, yeah. Like we
0: should not punish ourselves yeah. for feeling nervous. Just learn to manage the stress. Mm,
1: okay. So tell me a Tell me a lesson
0: mm-hmm.
1: you've learned from public speaking.
0: A lesson that I've learned from public speaking. That
1: you've carried through your life today.
0: That I've carried through my life. Okay, wow. There's so many lessons. It's hard to pick one. But I, I would have to say uh, learn, practice and Don't punish yourself for not performing sometimes because... When I was part of the debate team, impromptu speaking was a really important part of the process, right? You have to listen to your opponents, and then you have to attack their case. You have to prove why you deserve to win this debate. And oftentimes, I would get nervous on stage, or sometimes I wouldn't come up with the ideas to defend my team or to attack the other team. And this was when I was a beginner in the debate team. So after the debate happened i would like normally as a team we would discuss how the debate went and what the other side did well what we did well and how we could improve and i would come up with those genius ideas after the debate and i felt bad sometimes especially if we lost the debate yep. so i would say like don't punish yourself from that but take every experience as a learning experience
1: yeah yeah no, that's that's very prof- profound i so when I was young, I played a little basketball, and Michael Jordan okay, uh, nice. was my role model.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I came, I came across a quote yesterday uh, while I was doing some work. Mm-hmm. So Michael Jordan made about twenty-six game-winning shots, mm-hmm. but in order to do that, he also missed nine thousand shots.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. And um, that that thing you mentioned about um, sort of how we look at um, success mm-hmm. and losses, right? Mm-hmm. How do you actually internalize it? So. I know that you were involved in many uh, competitions mm-hmm. and you coach a lot of young people on debates, right? Mm-hmm. What's the right mindset uh, for someone who is on a debate team? Mm-hmm. Um, so what what mindset did you have before versus what mindset do you have now?
0: I would say as a student, I was definitely very competitive. <laughs> we grew up in this Hong Kong education system, and it it feels good to get an award, right? It yeah. feels good to get a trophy. But I would say for someone that's part of a debate team right now, it's good to have an open growth mindset. You should be curious about the topic and the question, and you shouldn't just have a goal of finishing writing that script of two minutes, but you should be a good listener listener, you should genuinely be thinking about what the other team just said and asking yourself, okay, which of these points are valid? Which of these points are not so valid? And why does my team deserve to win this debate? Like I've attended multiple debating competitions, different kinds of topics. We had this, um, debating competition sometime back. This house believes that, uh, we should not support a tourism-related economic strategy. So basically, countries should stop relying on tourism after COVID-19, and the affirmative team, yeah, they said tourism, look how much chaos it brought into our economy. And it's not just the big companies that have to suffer, but it's small and medium-sized enterprises. And you look at a place like Hong Kong, the number of businesses that got shut down as a result of tourism. And then the opposition team talking about how tourism is something that brings in money for the rest of the economy. So if we attract more tourists, then money flows to other sectors which is a great thing. But I felt many teams, they specifically focused on Hong Kong. Mm. They knew that, okay, tourism in Hong Kong is amusement parks. It's Avenue of Stars. It's the peak. But there's so many different kinds of tourism around the world. Like my parents and I, we went for a family holiday and we went to this place called Pattaya. Have you heard of yeah, Pataya? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've been there
1: actually. Pattaya.
0: Yeah. yeah, so uh, about two hour drive yep. away from uh, from Bangkok. And uh, one of the things Pattaya is famous for is actually sex tourism. Mm. So they have an attraction called Walking Street and you don't just walk, (laughs) you get hooked up (laughs) with someone. And I shared this example with the students because actually it's an interesting economic strategy for the city because those that end up in a relationship they get a visa in Thailand, they buy properties and the locals that were not necessarily so rich in the past, they earn money, they get property and income is flowing into Thailand. So is that a good thing for this city? Is that a bad thing? I know different people would have different opinions on morals and ethics and the way you need to form relationships. But I believe as a debate coach, we need to get people thinking on both sides of mm. the topic. What are the pros and cons? And be curious about it, not, not just restrict ourselves to Hong Kong or a certain type of example that we're very used to. So when I train students for this motion, I encourage them to look at the different kinds of examples around the world.
1: Mm, right. OK, so the focus isn't so much on attacking mm. the opponent's point of view. But thinking, really thinking about outside the box. You know, what are some of the uh, perspectives? I mm-hmm. guess uh, both sides have mm-hmm. to consider and really branch out of that conversation. Branch out,
2: yeah.
1: Okay, interesting. Um, in point two, speaking opportunity, when you're mm-hmm. asked to speak on your feet, mm-hmm. when you have that blank moment that yeah. you try to come up with something, but nothing is going, nothing, nothing is going, going for you, and everyone is looking at you, mm-hmm. what what can we do?
0: So the first thing you can do is buy time. I like to repeat the question. (laughs) I like to share my thoughts on the question. And if I can, I'll ask the audience the question. In fact, in 2020, I joined the Table Topics competition district level. So I was representing Hong Kong. And this was Hong kong Macau southern China competition. And I happened to win. (laughs) And the topic for this contest, so Table Topics, they give you a topic, but it doesn't even have to be a question. It, could, it can be a word, it can be a phrase, it can be a sentence. It doesn't have to be a question. So the topic was money is not an option. <laughs> I thought this was a really interesting topic because normally it's money versus happiness. And I feel like I've answered that money versus happiness question so many times, I could ace it, but okay, <laughs> they chose the word option and uh, this this was when i was in university so i studied journalism and finance that that specific semester i was studying derivatives so you know these options called put options and all the other kinds of swaps we were learning how to price those things and the competition it it happened in my exam time when <laughs> close to my exam time so when when i heard the motion money is not an option i'm like they can't even leave me, you know, finance has, has been on my head 24 seven. And yeah. now the competition happens to be about options. Why? And, uh so I bought some time. I, I started defining keywords in the emotion. So ladies and gentlemen, money is not an option. But what what is an option really? Many of us think an option is a choice. Some finance professionals here may consider it a financial instrument <laughs> to make money. So I went on for 30 seconds talking about it. And then I talked about investments in life because I I just needed to buy time. I I didn't know what an option, uh, how to interpret this question. And then ultimately, I built up to the message that, yeah, money technically is an option because we don't have to invest in financial instruments. We can choose to invest in ourselves, right? And that's the biggest return on investment. If you've read books by Warren Buffett and many other self-help gurus, they talk about how investing in yourself Beats the market, yeah. beats best Hang, investment ever. Exactly, right. beats Hang Seng Index, S and P five hundred, whatever index you talk about. So finally, I chose to disagree with the topic. I said money is an option, and I guess <laughs> it stood out to them. Yeah. yeah,
1: I wrote a quote this week. I don't know whether you agree to this, and we could talk about this. And um, and I think investing in yourself mm-hmm. is the best investment product out there that you cannot find in any bank. No it doesn't bank, deflate. Yeah. It doesn't inflate. inflate it's yeah. a most stable currency that you more, can find on planet.
0: More stable and it's not affected by geopolitics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All of that, <laughs> no recession. I love it. Yeah.
1: Um, you said something like um, de- debate versus argument. Mm. What's the difference between the two? Any similarities?
0: So debate is about the quality of your arguments. So if you have a fight with, let's say, a friend, maybe you're going out for dinner, and your friend wants to go to a pizza place, and you want to go to a Chinese restaurant. So, how would you win that argument?
1: Oh. Um. Wow. How would I win that argument? So for me, mm-hmm. I, I, I always value the, um, the company. Okay. So for me. I wouldn't care. Like uh, if, if my friend decides to go somewhere else, I might just tag along. And mm-hmm. Because th- I think it depends on where you prioritize, right? Okay. If, if you prioritize your relationship over your food, mm-hmm. you will probably give way to the other person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or I might think about, oh, um, perhaps I decided on the restaurant last time. Maybe mm-hmm. it's this time for this person to, okay. to think about what to eat. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't be too adamant it when it comes to restaurant adamant. choices. Okay. I think that works for, for what, me and my wife. What,
0: what would you say you're, you know, adamant about?
1: What am I adamant about? Things that are being said to my children. Mm-hmm. And it, and I think this is one of the things that I'm working on mm-hmm. is is that because I grew up in an environment where I've seen the implications of different societal
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, I guess, upbringing conditions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wasn't aware that I, I have all of these biases within mm-hmm. me until I started sort of reflecting in recent years, right? So I'm very cognizant about, for example, if someone made a comparison mm-hmm. narrative in front of my two children, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll step in and say, Probably well, not the right thing to say. I'll try mm-hmm. to, you know, do something with it uh, because I, I hated it as a child. I had a younger brother. And I always wondered, oh, how come I was so good? How how come I, I was so loving and caring mm-hmm. in the beginning, mm-hmm. but then at some point there was resentment okay. between siblings, and I think comparison was was mm-hmm. one of them. Oh. Um, so yeah, if you ask me, what is what is the one thing that I'm very adamant on mm-hmm. is probably the the things that are being said to my children, uh, in the environment. Okay. But I'm also working on that because I, I, I guess I've come to a realization mm-hmm. that this is my inability to let go because mm-hmm. there's just so much I can control the environment. Mm-hmm. And it's more important for me to guide them with the right virtues mm-hmm. so that they can deal with these, I guess, comments, criticisms, mm-hmm. or feedback mm-hmm. on their own. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So if, if you meet another parent that likes comparison, how would you convince them to stop?
1: I wouldn't convince them. I wouldn't, wouldn't convince
0: try. them. wouldn't try, but you said you're adamant I, about I'm it. I'm adamant,
1: <laughs> but I be, I also believe that um, people are not coachable unless mm-hmm. they're ready for it. Okay. Uh, same saying, you know, there's always a book ready for you in the library or in the mm-hmm. bookshop if you're ready for, for that book, right? Mm-hmm. I feel that um, we, sometimes humans, we spend so much time trying to persuade or convince the other person mm-hmm. when the only way that this person can change is when they want to change for themselves they wouldn't want to change for me
0: go through the experience
1: yeah i mean if they ask me for my opinion my observation i would Mm -hmm. share what i've learned from my own Mm -hmm. journey but i wouldn't say this is the right way or this is the wrong way Mm -hmm. um because like you said it's all contextual Mm -hmm. right what works in my circumstance might not work in their circumstance and i think there are a billion of us on this planet Mm -hmm. right but all eight billion of us are configured differently. We are all write differently in our brain. All these mm-hmm. neurons um, that are inside our head, mm-hmm. we can't see, but they all make up who we are today. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I'm 39 now, and you know, after living the 39 years, I have come to a realization that you know, sometimes it's a bit of a waste of time of our mm-hmm. time to try to go in.
0: And to a conversation others, yeah. <laughs> armed
1: with our own biases trying to convince joy that i hey i know the best i'm, mm. I'm, I'm above you, you mm. should listen to me right mm. um so for me to say something mm. it would have to be an invitation invitation from the other party other person for a forward perspective mm. then i would share what i what i've learned
2: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah but i used to be this annoying friend that i would just tell off friends when they when i saw them like smoking a cigarette, i was like hey you know that it's really bad for your health. We should really give up now. Don't okay. drink so much, right? <laughs> okay, that annoying, so you, you
0: would provide uh, arguments, like probably some evidence about how it's bad for health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what we call quality of argument. We use reasoning. We use evidence. But there are some people that will just raise their voices. They yeah. might do some rebellious things, like when I ask kids if you want to win an argument with your mom, maybe she's making you drink this milk and you just hate the way it tastes. What would you do? And I get some interesting answers. Some of them say, oh, I'll make her try it. No, 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 no. I'll flush the milk down the toilet. Some of them say, I'll just stop drinking it. I'll, I'll, throw it in the rubbish bin. So we hear a lot of things we can do to win an argument. But if you truly believe in debate, you'll focus on the quality of the argument. And I see you're doing that with your friends. (laughs) You mentioned the cigarettes thing. So that's a good thing, not raising your voice.
1: Yeah. Well, I try not to, but uh, I think as parents, sometimes it's hard, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. the emotion, you know, Get a better of you. And I do raise my voice, and mm-hmm. sometimes I do scream at my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say maybe 2% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but my philosophy is I think children will remember uh, your presence um, and how I guess the 98% of the time will, mm-hmm. will stick with them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, we also need to give permission to ourselves to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm a parent of two young children,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm not perfect um but i think i like i say to many many other parents none of us are perfect mm-hmm. um we never taught about we never learn about parenting at school
2: mm-hmm. schools true. only
1: told us not to get someone pregnant
2: yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah
1: and uh we are all learning and 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 as long as i think the parents have this growth mindset like like you put it right we can always become better than a person we were yesterday
2: mm-hmm.
1: and one other thing that i think we need to be aware of is that we always default to our previous experiences. You mentioned about screaming, raising our voices, Mm -hmm. right? It could well be because we experienced that as a child. And even though we knew that deep down, Mm -hmm. we didn't like it, Mm -hmm. they were not effective. You know, when you get that uh, amygdala hijack in your brain, Mm -hmm. they will come out.
0: Come out, yeah. Yeah.
1: But what I do is with my my children is that I, once I've calmed myself down, I will apologize and I'll say to them look I'm really sorry that uh, you let my emotions get the better of me mm-hmm. i that was not right and sorry be vulnerable with your kids and mm-hmm. you know show them that you're a role model mm-hmm. it's okay you don't need to get my uh, validation all the time that is that is not always right 100% that is a human that he has flaws mm-hmm. i'm imperfect mm-hmm. and you can be imperfect too and you learn from it
0: i i think debate like when we step away from emotional argument and we go into actual debate we can understand what the other team or whoever we're talking to we actually agree about something and then we disagree about other things like i remember when i finished university i started working in in the business i had a vision a lot of goals a lot of ideas and you know a, a family business is different from working at a company or a startup, because you can't really fire your employees, right? And if you get into an argument, it's like silence at the dinner table. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would also say that there are, you know, pros and cons, right? Like, I, I think, as family members, we know what motivates each other. And sometimes it's not money, sometimes it's a cup of afternoon tea <laughs> <laughs> that motivates us more than getting a deal or signing a contract, which can boost productivity. But sometimes when you disagree with family members and you, you don't want that disagreement, you don't want the emotional element of that argument to continue into business and then later on at home. So I would say definitely we had a lot of disagreements in the beginning, but debate didn't just play a role in my life as a coach. Like I'm not just coaching people to debate, I'm not just training them, but I'm applying it so actively in my life because I feel like everyone in our family has amazing ideas to bring to the business. We, also, we all want to grow the business but how we achieve that is another question and we're allowing debate about it because sometimes you combine two ideas and it results in an even better idea Um, an even better strategy or you come up with a new idea and that's something else to talk about so in the beginning yes there were some emotional elements to these arguments but slowly we've learned to let go and focus on the more intellectual side of it
1: i was going to ask you a follow-up question Mm -hmm. so both I guess yourself and your family members have experience in public speaking Mm -hmm. you in particular have spent a lot of time in sort of the debate Mm -hmm. domain right Mm -hmm. when you guys get into conflict management back home or at work (laughs) right how do you guys deal with it
0: (laughs) well I I would say like we ask well we try and understand each other's opinions like not afraid to ask questions even if it's a dumb question. I, I like to believe someone who doesn't ask remains a fool for the rest of his life, right? Um, but if you ask a dumb question, then you're just a fool for five minutes. Yeah. I, I pick the five minutes over the rest of my life. And, and we decide on what we agree on, what we disagree on, and how we can work to manage those disagreements. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. Very mature way to handle it. Yeah,
0: so, <laughs> it takes time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, just before this conversation, so uh, let me just, sorry, just let me just backtrack mm. a bit. So in every conversation, I ask a podcast guest to ask a question to the to my next guest. Next guest. So before we uh, before this session, I spoke to an Indian lady who is mm. in sort of the medical tech space. Okay. So the question she would like to ask you mm-hmm. is. How can we nurture emotional intelligence with the next generation? Whether it is schools, education, upbringing, family, what are some of the changes we need to make in order to nurture the emotional intelligence uh, for the next generation? And just to give you a bit of context, we spend a lot of time talking about the challenges that um, this generation faces in Mm -hmm. terms of distractions, mm-hmm. right, uh, smart devices, mm-hmm. now we have ChatGPT, you know, all the answers. You know, you spent so long
2: mm-hmm.
1: reading a textbook, but with a click, click of a button,
2: mm-hmm.
1: now the machine can produce all the answers for you. Mm-hmm. So given all the changes that we're seeing in a society, you know, uh, what are some of the changes uh, you think we can do to, uh, to nurture that emotional intelligence part?
0: Emotional intelligence, not exactly my field of expertise, but I studied in Hong Kong. I was born and raised here and grew up with the local education system, HKDSE exam. I would say make it a part of the education system and not just on the textbook, right? Not something we just memorize and spit out on an exam paper, but actively involve ourselves in emotional like I would say on helping students understand what emotions they're going through and equipping them with the skills to deal with those kind of emotions I, I would say is is important like maybe a kid that's being bullied at school maybe to acknowledge that okay it's it's not nice to be bullied but if I experience these emotions then what am I supposed to do to overcome
2: them
1: yeah 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 you know why I- when I was a kid, I used to get laughed at a lot because I've got thick lips for, for Asians.
2: Okay. And yeah, it
1: was way before uh, Botox became a thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I got, okay. uh, I got teased, teased mm-hmm. a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I agree with what you said. I, and I think our words and actions carry a lot of weight mm-hmm. and it does impact on the well-being of the other person. Mm-hmm. And and I think definitely there's a lot of changes that can be done um, from an education point of view. What about uh, What about parents?
0: Parents... Yeah, I would say the the next generation is definite. uh, The next generation... I mean, the next generation of parents, a lot more lenient about grades. I, I feel like in the past, super strict. You've got to meet these requirements, be a doctor, lawyer or engineer. But I see today's parents being a lot more flexible. And I, I think that's a good thing, like understanding your child's perspective and if they need emotional support, being there for them, not punishing them for maybe not doing so well, I, I think is, is really important.
1: Yeah. yeah okay and your your question to the next guest what would you like to ask the next guest
0: um uh, interesting um next question <laughs> how can we how can we promote critical thinking skills in our next generation
1: yeah how can we promote critical thinking skill and why is that important
0: i feel like The education system that I grew up in was very exam-oriented, and we just memorized a lot of stuff, and we put it on this fancy piece of paper called the exam paper. We learned about strategies to impress the examiner, but a lot of these things didn't really prove useful in my university, and even nowadays when I started working, like, it was just memorized, and exam and impress the examiner and it's over it's it's done you're not applying this kind of stuff so i would have liked to learn a lot more about the world and why the things i'm learning are actually relevant to the real world instead of just exam paper and critical thinking, I think, plays a really important part. Like even with debate, we, we meet some students, we meet some teachers that want to prepare the scripts for their students and they're afraid to fail on stage. But that's how critical thinking skills develop. It's when you try, right? When when you have the courage to fail. Like I heard this beautiful quote on shark tank i I like to watch shark tank india wonderful ideas and i'm also evaluating their public speaking skills getting ideas and one of the sharks he said success builds ego Mm -hmm. failure builds character and uh, the ability to to say okay i might fail but it's okay. It's part of the learning experience because in the long term, it's something good for me. And that's how I'll actually learn. So I, I feel like that's that's a really important part of the process. Plus, of course, the activities, the actual debating and making it part of the curriculum.
1: Yeah, I love that. You know, I'm actually a creature of quotes. So I love quotes okay. myself. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah. And we can save that for another conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you so much for coming out here. Thank Joy. you for inviting me. I've learned a ton. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you again very soon. Thank you. Good. Thank you, John.
0: Thank you. Thank you.